Welcome back to the Kinderguys podcast. I'm Zakia, a ninth grader, and this is my Tita Zanthi. If it's your first time with us, our goal is to create a space for kids to explore horror through fun, inspiring, and meaningful dialogue. We exist to help the younger generation embrace themselves for being different, break the stigma that horror isn't for kids, and to make a positive impact on the horror community at large. Today, we have the professor, Carla Millette. Her journey of like what she learned throughout her her education when it when it came to her career is very interesting, I feel like. We covered Medayan. Um, it's an indie um, found footage self-film out of um, Saudi Arabia, written by Hakim, I'm butchering his name, Joma, and directed by Ayman Tamano. That tells a story of three Saudis armed with a camera on a road trip um, to the notoriously haunted Medayan. I really liked it, if I'm being completely honest, because I think it's the first ever film that I watched that was on YouTube and it was outside of the States. I mean, I've watched like films. I mean, also with Renew as well. I know because like, you know how um, American films kind of use Japan's like films in a way, like Japanese films in a way, like they kind of remake have their stuff. own twist to it. Yeah. Remake. Yeah. I feel like although I've only watched one other movie that kind of had this like found footage style, it was like a party. <laughs> it was like a party um, movie on Netflix. I forgot what it was called already. Is it Project X? Yes, it's Project X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I really enjoyed this movie. I wish this film got more distribution in America or even online because it's weirdly unlisted. So if you just search it on YouTube, you won't be able to find it. We're actually going to go ahead and put the link to the film in our show notes. And it's an hour long. It's really easy to watch. And I really enjoyed it. I would definitely say the try to pass it on to people that, you know, love horror. The next movie that Carla chose was Ringu, um, the 1998 Japanese film directed by Hideo Nakata. Ringu is about a reporter that is investigating a mystery behind this cursed videotape. Whoever watches the videotape dies seven days after doing so. I'm still like old enough to know what a VHS is and things like that. But I found I found it. It was like a different type of not scenery, but different type of the way that it was produced, it was very different compared to watching like Psycho where it's all black and white, you know, with um, Diane, if you notice like how it was filmed, even though it's like a found footage style, it's like still old timey. The way that it was like the quality of the mm-hmm. footage, you know what I yeah, mean? The t- like the type of camera. Yeah, the quality, not, not the, yeah, the quality of these films are different from what you see now, which makes it interesting. But I do know what a VHS is. When this came out, it, we everyone still used VHS tapes all the time and we watched it on mm-hmm. VHS. So it added that kind of meta element to it where you were watching somebody watching a VHS tape. And then when mm-hmm. it would show the footage, it was like you were watching the tape. But now we are watching on widescreens and we use DVDs or we use streaming. So it doesn't have that added effect. effect anymore. Yeah. It really shows how the quality of what the film is can kind of change the perspective of the movie. Um, so how do you think the conversation went? Speaking to Carla was, it was exciting for me because like I was super surprised to find out about the Halloween Film Festival and it's such a clever name. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, and she gave you a lot of good advice for at the end um, for the professor type thing because you're... um. You're on your way there. So, yeah. So that was really nice of her. Alrighty, guys. So we'll see you guys in there. Have fun.
have entered Kindergeist, a horror podcast for kids and ghouls. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So we have with us right now the absolutely wonderful Carla Millet, a professor at the University of Michigan. She teaches classes on Italian history, a very popular class about the mafia, hmm, Islamic history, as well as a class about the Quran. She has written books and articles about medieval literature, and she's designing a new class about religion and horror movies. Welcome to Kindergeist, Carla. Thanks so much. Thanks for the invitation to join you. Yeah, I'm so excited because... Um, the way that we kind of connected is I found out about the Halloween festival and I just thought, oh, that's so cool. Like I was so bummed I missed it. But yeah, can you tell us a little bit about how that kind of started? Um, so it started when I was directing the Global Islamic Studies Center at the University of Michigan. Um, you know, so the way that we do, the center kind of focuses on programming that we think is going to be of interest to the community um, and introducing the community to kind of global trends in Islamic culture and, and you know, in the study of Islamic culture as well. And um, so I was sitting around just kind of spitballing ideas with Hannah Matar, who is uh, still today the program coordinator at um, the Global Islamic Studies Center. And um, I kind of tossed out this idea of Muslim horror. Is it a thing? Because, you know, you think about kind of um, horror movies in, in uh, the United States and, you know, going back especially to The Exorcist, and, you know, there's a long trend in, in movies that are religiously inspired and inspired by kind of Christian myths um, in the U.S. and, you know, to some extent also in Europe. And so, you know, I wonder kind of like, OK, so what's the shape of horror movies in the Muslim world, like thinking globally about Muslim majority countries? And so we just started to, you know, we started to Google around to see if there was anything there. And what we found was this really kind of interesting tradition, which is familiar in some ways and very different in other ways, featuring um, uh, um, a lot of gin possession movies. For instance, that's where the movie that I recommended you guys watch for today comes into play. Um, that movie features um, gin and arguably, apparently also gin possession. Um, looks a lot like kind of the demonic possession in The Exorcist, but also different um, in, in important ways. Um, we saw we found like lots of different traditions from Southeast Asia to the Middle East. Um, even there was a Senegalese movie in the roster last year. Um, so um, <clears throat> we could it going. You can check it out. These days, since the pandemic, we are we stream the movies, most of them. Um, so they were available to watch on Eventive last year. And, and I assume that this year um, we'll be streaming them as well. Um, the, the very wonderful Alia Khan is now director of the Global Islamic Studies Center, doing a great job directing that center. And she's a co-creator, a co-curator of the um, of Halloween um, and now as well. Such a, a genius name. That was Hannah's, Hannah Matar. She came up with that idea. Because the, the first question that we had for each other was, are horror movies halal? Like, are they permissible by, you know, kind of Islamic law? Um, and you know, the, the answer is complicated. The short answer is yes. I guess it's a yes, but. <laughs> oh, that's so fascinating. I was curious about, because I've heard a lot about the jinn 
And that's kind of like the big one. But I remember when I was uh, watching your roundtable, you mentioned that zombies is also probably the second popular one. No, no, no. We went hunting for Muslim zombies. Like that was one of our questions from the from the jump. Because you can find occasionally you can find definitely the jinn possession. Occasionally there are vampires or vampire adjacent characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely hauntings. You know, there's the kind of ghostly type characters. But you know, one of our big questions was where are the zombies? Zombies. Oh, where are the zombies? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so we went on a zombie hunt. And in fact, one of the people, <laughs> one of the people who um, attended the first year um, sent us a message. She said, yeah, check out KL24 Zombie. It's a zombie movie from Kuala Lumpur. And it should be still on streaming on, um, uh, on YouTube. I think you can search it on YouTube and find it. You know, it's not like it's kind of, you know, Malaysia is a complex society. It's not it's, you know, Muslim majority, but there's many, many other kind of faith traditions and um, belief traditions that come together in Malaysian society. And so it's not simply a a zombie, uh, a Muslim Mm. zombie movie, but, you know, definitely there there are some Muslim zombies in it. So that was a huge win for us. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, So what was your first memory of horror? Uh, My first memory of horror? I guess, I mean, I grew up on the, you know, kind of uh, the Saturday afternoon horror movies, mm. you know. I grew up in Scooby-Doo, which, like, who doesn't? You know, so I feel like Scooby-Doo is kind of a, a gateway drug for a lot of people who get into horror, you know, because Scooby-Doo introduces you to that world of, like, you know, uh, unexplained phenomena. Mm-hmm. And then you could kind of segue from that into, you know, whatever the, the creature feature movies on TV in the afternoon back in the days, you know, of broadcast TV. And I think that probably The Exorcist for me was the first movie that kind of really kind of captured my imagination. I read the book. Okay. My parents had oh, wow. the book. Yeah. And I read it. And then, um, you know, much later saw the movie. And um, that was the first movie that really kind of like, um, you know, really captured my imagination. And then I graduated to, you know, back in the day, you went straight to the slashers. You know, it was basically what everybody watched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was a, um, you know, for better or worse, you know, I, I jumped in the, the deep end. Yeah, I feel like The Exorcist is a very common um, first movie horror type film to get into. Like a lot of our guests that we've had said The Exorcist. And I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it made a huge impact on people. A hundred percent. Have you ever seen the reaction? Sorry, I just have to throw this out there because it's so interesting. Have you ever seen the, that? Um, there's a reel that you can find on um, YouTube of audience reactions. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, the first, it's filmed in Los Angeles. Like when the movie first came out, mm-hmm. they're interviewing audience members. They're interviewing ushers in the theaters. They're talking to people about their reactions to it. It's insane. This movie is like 30 minutes long, I think. Um, it's got no header of footage. You don't know who filmed it, you know, like who I think that it must have been they showed clips on on um must have been just like a newsreel and then they showed clips on local I feel TV. Like I've seen that or something. I feel like I've seen like something. Maybe I saw it, but I just like scrolled past because I didn't really <laughs> know. But I feel like I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. It gives you a clear sense of how strong audience reaction was to that movie, and it gives you a sense of how far we've come since then. Like Zakia, if you had seen The Exorcist, it's very it influenced so many films after that that you probably saw first. Have you seen Hezekiah? Have you seen The Exorcist? I haven't, but we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially between the guest and my aunt. So, <laughs> yeah. It's because I ha- I'm just, I'm, because we covered Psycho in our last episode. I feel like that was like my 
real like actual horror movie that I've I don't know is it do you consider I mean do, do you mean real like, like, like what do you real mean real horror movie like a a traditional horror movie that like a, a classic of, film yeah classic yeah classic film exactly so I feel like I need to watch The Exorcist now <laughs> be interesting to hear your reaction to it you know having seen so many movies i don't know i have no idea what you've actually seen i assume that you've seen a bunch of movies that were deeply influenced by it most likely most definitely yeah what did you think of psycho oh i love psycho it's my new favorite movie i think (laughs) it's um yeah because i remember um so me and my aunt had a youtube channel when i was younger and because i really wanted to become a youtuber and I don't know if you've been to Universal Studios in Hollywood. They have like the little tour where they go through the sets and they have the Bates Motel. And I didn't know what that was at the time. And I thought it was like a whole different movie. And then I saw it on Psycho and I was like, there's no way. I thought that was like so shocked. And then I really liked it. I don't know why, because I feel like the deep mental like things that were going on that like kind of connected with the movie along with like horror you know i thought that it was very interesting so yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did you find it scary um not really this is my aunt's favorite movie actually so i think she knows yeah <laughs> she probably watched this movie way more than i did but it's not scary i don't think personally uh-huh uh-huh I mean, it's interesting, like what draws us to horror movies is a big question and an interesting question, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and being scared is only, I think it's a really small part of the whole kind of cocktail, you know? Mm, yeah. Oh, exactly. absolutely. It can be so cathartic. Yeah. Are you guys scared of roller coasters or any of that sort? Yeah. Hate them. <laughs> Isn't it like a different feeling when you watch a horror movie than opposed to like someone forcing you to go on a roller coaster? Because I feel like Personally, I feel like roller coasters kind of have the same feeling for me while watching like a horror movie, like if I'm being forced into watching a horror movie. But do you guys like feel the contrast or the comparisons at all, like with emotions in that sense or no? That's a really good uh, analogy. It's a really good description, (laughs) you know, because it's definitely it's a ride for sure. Yeah. You know, it's like they call it it's a a body genre, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Have you heard that term before? It's like, yeah. I feel like I have. Yeah. You react physically. You're drawn yeah, exactly. into it physically. You know, you scream. I scream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know, you cover your eyes. You have this right. like, physical, visceral reaction to it. You know, and it's like, that's maybe part of what, like, why it's a really good comparison to compare it to a roller coaster ride. Yeah. I mean, when I, when we watched um, Ring It, when I watched Ring It, I was with my uh, friend on FaceTime and I was going like this the whole time. <laughs> yeah covering your face i was i was like tell me when there's something scary that's about to happen (laughs) like i cannot do this (laughs) so you wanted to watch when the scary stuff happens instead of like blocking the scary stuff with your hand i just go like like my eyes are peeking a little bit and then she tells me like oh something's about to happen i'm just like oh Okay, <laughs> but oh, I just I see, hear I, I hear the background noise and everything else, so I, I kind of know what's like. That's that's literally how I am with horror movies. I mean, I'm trying to. I mean, it's been like two years now that I'm trying to get used to horror movies, you know. And <laughs> I feel like now that I'm growing up in a way, like our guests are choosing more um, grown up films where it's like more matured, and so that I can like actually watch it and like enjoy it. But I'm still going like this, like. Oh, and, yeah. um, <laughs> I do that. I do it in the theater. We all do, yeah. <laughs> I feel like horror is like very interesting towards a lot of people because I 
personally, I feel like when my mom put on Coraline for the first time, I think that was kind of my intro to horror. I know I say like the Vampire Diaries, like in the beginning of this um, podcast, I was like, oh yeah, Twilight's my my intro, like vampires and stuff. But personally, I think Coraline was. I think that's the one that kind of traumatized me the most. I don't know if you've watched Coraline, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that with my daughter. Yeah. <gasps> Ooh, amazing. Yeah. Well, my mom put it on at like at a very young age and I remember like the movie when I was really young and then like I kept on wanting to watch it but I didn't know why even though it traumatized me because of like the mother the other mother so the other mother is hella creepy you know that's based on a book oh yeah Mm -hmm. I did read the book as well okay yeah yeah, yeah. Coraline the book or like a different the original book it's a Victorian oh yeah I did read it yeah to me scarier than the movie yeah most definitely there's more um there's more scenes where it's like more intense than what the movie actually shows. And I read this book when I was in seventh grade, I believe, because my school actually, uh, well, my te- my English teacher, thank you, Mr. Gantman. Um, but he made us read Coraline and we had an open discussion about it. And it, I think it was one of my favorite like horror books because I've I remember I read a book called Small. Sp- I forgot it was like. I forgot what it was called, like small 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 spaces. Yeah, small spaces. Yeah, that was my first ever horror book. But I think Coraline was really, really good as well. Since you mentioned your daughter, I like to um, ask people who are parents, like, how do you navigate uh, sharing like uh, the horror genre when especially when they're younger? (laughs) My answer is going to be Children's Protective Services are going to be at my door. (laughs) 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 I think, you know what, to be honest, so we watched, you know, kind of creepy stuff together. I'm thinking we watched like, you know, things like Charmed, you know, yeah, which was there for, you know, kids who missed Buffy, right? I mean, that yeah. was, yeah, kind of that same, you know, wheelhouse. Of, you know, just like, you know, and of course she was a huge Scooby-Doo fan from a very, very young age. Like she was obsessed with Scooby-Doo from the time she was like three, you know? I have a much more kind of like, I guess you'd call it old-fashioned parenting style. I'm definitely not a helicopter parent. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and also we lived like for a while when my daughter was young, we lived for a while in Beirut. And so she grew up in like, you know, she's like kind of a multicultural kid, but also grew up in some kind of cultural contexts where the parents are much less protective of kids. And kids, in fact, occupy kind of a parallel universe, you know, where they're off in their own world. They make their own rules. They have nannies there to make sure that nothing goes off the rails. But, you know, they're kind of they they are um, they really kind of are functioning as little kind of mini adults from a very young age. When my daughter was, she must have been, I don't know, 10 years old, 12 years old, way too young. I talked to this little girl who was her same age. Her parents were Italian and she also had older brothers. And she was talking about how much she loved horror movies. And I think it was in part because her parents were much less, they weren't protective American parents and she had older brothers. And so she was really into slashers, you know, and I kind of came up on slashers and I have a real soft spot in my heart for the classic slashers. And so we sat down and watched Nightmare on Elm Street together. (laughs) Really? Really, just jumping into the deep end, you know. And it wasn't until much later that she kind of confessed to me that she had bad dreams after that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Uh, she's still a horror fan today. We watch a lot of horror movies together, in fact. You know, but she, you know, back in the day, she didn't watch these things alone. I always watched them with her, but that was maybe not. I wasn't the thing that's like, yeah, it sounds like your parents are eager to kind of, you know, walk the walk with you or maybe not. I don't know. Um, I 
let her explore on her own. My mom just trusts me with my aunt because she's more in the horror expert. But I remember there was this one film that my parents did not let me watch. And our guest, it was like a rated R movie, I believe. Oh, um, it was Hellfest. Oh, that's like the first ever movie they told me I could not watch. But everything else, I think they're pretty open to. They don't really know a lot about the horror genre. That's why they kind of leave it up to my aunt. So they're kind of free about that, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, violence against women in movies, ironically, because I came up with slashers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, today we have choices. And, you know, um, violence against women in movies is a big deal breaker for me. You know, I don't, I'm just not a fan. You know, sexual violence in general, no. Uh-uh, that's where I draw the line. Torture porn, hard No. You know, but, um, you know, pretty much anything else is like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much good with. And, you know, as far as my daughter goes, you know, she I think that she has good instincts and, um, you know, kind of and I think that it's important to be guided by your own comfort level and your own appetite. Yeah, exactly. You know, when we're yeah choosing films to watch between like us and then I kind of like have to remember that 10 year old me was not the same as Zakia. Or or fifteen year old, fourteen year old was I was watching like <laughs> like Blade and stuff when I was like ten years old, and I loved the gore, but Zakia is not the same. So I, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know she she wouldn't be okay with that, even though I was as a kid, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's yeah, more so like you, communication you... about it because I I I hate gore, like I hate gore with a passion. And so <laughs> I really like suspense, like Haunting of like Bly Manor, Haunting of Hill House, like those type of movies. And like, and not movies, shows. I know to an extent like what I'm comfortable with. And if I'm like, hey, auntie, I don't really feel like doing that movie for this episode because it has too much gore that I don't want to watch the movie, then I'll just explain it to her, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think without my parents, I mean, they trust me enough to know what not to watch and like what like I'm comfortable watching, um, which I'm grateful for, but yeah, I'm more so strict. You have boundaries. That. Yeah, I have boundaries. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. That's the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's important to have the self-knowledge to know your own boundaries, you know? Right. And to, to be able to say no when you're just not comfortable with it. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of like jumping back to the panel discussion about the Muslim whore. Like, what are some like repeat themes you've seen? Or there was actually the mention of um, the misuse of Islam in it or the use of Islam. So can you kind of like, yeah, walk us through like these repeated patterns? So um, I'm trying to think of <laughs> if there's a way that you can characterize because like global Muslim horror is huge, you know, and there's like there's a big kind of there's a boom in Southeast Asian horror. And um, loads of movies coming out of Malaysia, Indonesia, um, you know, that is that looks different from uh, Muslim horror that you'll see coming from from the Middle East, for instance. Mm. You know, so it's kind of hard to characterize them all in a single way because they they usually draw on local traditions um, in addition to kind of being, you know, drawing on some kind of, you know, pan-Islamic concepts. The, the Jinn Possession movies tend to really emphasize and even also kind of respond to local traditions. Um, when, you know, when Hanumatar and I were first exploring the very first Halloween, we were like, you know, on the Googles, we were on the YouTube, we were looking for Muslim horror. We found this the movie, there's a whole series of movies called Munafik. Munafik, it's a, it's a chronic term and it means um, the hypocrites. It's people who feign belief. They pretend to be believers, but in fact, they're not. Yeah. 
Um, and so this is, this is a series of gin possession movies that come out of Malaysia. Um, and they are, um, they're iconic for people who are really kind of into the gin, gin, into gin possession as a genre. Um, you know, you can watch the first one, which is really the best um, on YouTube. And we went straight to the comments, of course, which, you know, is where you kind of see like, you know, what people, what, what the buzz is about this uh, movie. And people were so down with this movie. They were like the, the comment that we saw that sold us on this movie or on the concept of Muslim horror, if not this movie. The comment that we saw that made an impression was somebody said pure Islam. Like they just completely like, you know, believed that this movie was an act of piety. It was a devout movie. It was really a performance, a kind of, you know, pure Muslim belief. <laughs> I'm not 100% sold on that. Having seen that movie more than once. But, you know, I'm definitely sold on the idea that for, um, you know, at least some Muslim audiences, you know, Muslim horror is, in fact, you know, kind of a, an expression of piety. It's a way of exploring the boundaries of, of belief and exploring kind of what happens to people who transgress those boundaries and what kinds of things can come across those boundaries to threaten us, you know. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at like Turkey, in Turkey, there is there's this crazy kind of um, industry of gin possession movies. There are all of these franchises um, gym possession franchises, and they are just like they're talk about a roller coaster ride. Lord, they are <laughs> all of the bells and whistles. Is all it's the special effects, it's the jump scares. So 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 many jump scares. It's you know buckets and buckets of blood. It's like all of this stuff, you know. And it's just it's pure genre, pure genre kind of like just reveling in all of the conventions of the genre. You know, I don't think that there's any Islam at all. <laughs> Other than, you know, kind of the the veneer of jinn possession. Okay. And, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, jinn possession and the imam, the, you know, the holy guy who's got to come along to kind of like, you know, you know, uh, heal the person who's afflicted. And of course, there's a lot of women are evil. <laughs> there's a big, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, one of my problems with some of these. Yeah. Um, is including you know Munafek the the Malaysian one and um, and some of the the Turkish franchises too, which is a problem with the genre. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, so how does um each region like differ in its creation of horror films? It really depends on the on the region and on the um, local film industry. You know, in in other words, is there a film industry? Um, you know, how do they operate? Like, so, you know, in Turkey, there's massive film industry in Turkey, um, you know, and there's, I mean, I kind of suspect that, like our initial question, our horror movies halal. Um, I kind of suspect that a lot of Turkish Muslims are not too comfortable with saying yes. <laughs> horror movies are acceptable. Um, you know, we embrace them. And that's why they occupy the place that they occupy, which is like the kind of it's a, it's clearly genre movies. And they're there for like, you know, they're, they're there for kind of a guilty pleasure or, you know, to kind of just to. Uh, um, for a cheap thrill, but they're not necessarily there for the more kind of, you know, pious, it's not family fair for sure, you know, and they're not there for the more pious audience, you know, Egyptian horror movies, very melodramatic, um, you know, because there's a huge tradition of melodrama in Egypt and they're, they're very, you know, they love their two hour long, you know, uh, um, you know, yeah, three hanky, you know, weepers in Egypt you know, um, there's some interesting kind of emergence, just movies coming out of Tunisia. And I saw an amazing um, Algerian movie 
um, not too long ago that was really, you know, uh, um, it's also on YouTube. It's called Jellyfish. Do not recommend it for a young audience. Okay. Um, definitely good. addressing <laughs> the issue of women being targeted. So, you know, it's, a, it's a range. I forget what the original question was at this point, but there really is a range of local traditions. And what's your favorite? Of the Muslim horror? Uh, yes. There's an Indonesian director who I love, who everybody loves. Everybody recognizes him as a master. He's called Joko Anwar. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's Pedagor, yeah. In Pedagor. Yes. yes. <laughs> also, Satan Slaves just came out. Um, yeah. And I think that there's going to be the Satan Slaves was kind of a continuation of a movie that came out in the 70s, I want to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Called Satan Slave, singular. Um, and it's got that real it's got a great kind of retro feel to it. It feels like one of those Saturday afternoon creepy movies that you used to watch when you were a kid, you know. But, um, you know, and, and it's he's a really thoughtful filmmaker. He definitely is a genre filmmaker, horror filmmaker. He definitely plays with the representation of women, like the way that that, um, that women are, are uh, depicted as vulnerable to a lot of threats in classic horror movies, but he also places the tradition of making, of, of depicting women as strong, as fierce, as fighters, you know? Um, and he, he has, his female characters are just, um, they're often the center of his movies and they're so much fun to watch. There's so much there to kind of, you know, to, to work with. Um, I like him a lot. Yeah, he's, I think that he's one of my favorites. No, he's, I definitely, he's like very well uh, respected in the horror and beloved uh, horror community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very random, but I wonder how many hours of movies we've watched in our whole lifetime. <laughs> if only we can log it. I was just like, I was thinking about that, you know? Like, how many hours do you guys think? I don't even know where to begin. I'm also the film person. I started out as like, you know, my specialization as a scholar is medieval literature. Right. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know. I mean, I just, you know, I, I got into this and it's um, I love it because it connects me with, you know, a big, a wide audience. because People are really interested in it. It's fun to talk about. OK, which movie should we talk about first? We could jump to Japanese into the older because uh, Ringu is uh, is older. True. So what made you choose this film? It, I thought that it was uh, it's something that a younger person could watch that isn't too awful. I mean, it was very eerie. <laughs> it's super eerie, super creepy. When it came out, it scared a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's considered to be a very scary movie. And it's it's iconic. You know, if you're getting into J-horror, you know, then this is, right, this is pretty much the place you start for, for a lot yes. of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like one of those things. And it's like, you know, that putting that, it, it put a really sticky idea out there. Like that film clip that has, you know, are, are we, we're full spoilers, right? Oh, sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The film clip that is like, you know, this gives you a death sentence if you watch it. Super. That's a very sticky idea. Yeah. You know, that's an idea that would be very influential. And then also the way that you heal yourself from that, which is to share it, to, you know, to kind of pass it on. That also becomes a really kind of influential idea that other people will pick up. Speaking of Detroit horror, it follows. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of problem. We're only there with sex that, you know, you pass on the curse from one person to the next. And the way to cure yourself is to have sex with more people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ringu was uh, 
like when I first discovered that whole J-horror boom when I was younger, I was like, wow, these like these films are the ones that scare me the most just because of the way they execute like the uncomfortable feeling and the dread. And it's such a genius idea. It's so simple and so scary. You watch a tape, you're going to die in seven days. Good luck. <laughs> I feel like there's like a movie kind of similar to that. No, it's probably it's, a lot. Like they yeah. put like a warning. Now, like there's a disclaimer. A lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, I find it interesting that you chose this film, actually. Um, do you know any like horror folklore um, in Japan? Like Funny that you should mention it because I was just reading an article before I jumped into the Zoom. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. About the forerunners of Ringu, of like the the, the female avenging ghost. Mm. Um, yeah, which is apparently an old, old figure in Japanese culture. This is something that I glean no expertise in Japanese horror and Korean horror in, you know, kind of the the um, East Asian horror traditions. But because I'm prepping to teach this class on religion and horror movies, you know, I really wanted to kind of take a deep dive into it and, you know, absorb as much as I can, learn as much as I can. So that's where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. When you mentioned that, I'm super excited that you're yeah crafting a class on religion and horror because um, I'm about to enter academia soon because I'm going to study with my PhD, pursue my PhD, and it's going to be in children's horror. But uh, anytime, just like on my journey in school, I've noticed that, um, especially in America, like horror is not seen as like a valid area of study a lot of the time. Like, oh, that's the lesser genre. So whenever it's like, it's amazing that you're doing a class like on religion and horror. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily training pre-professional people are going to go on to study it, you know? I mean, who knows who's going to take this, who's going to sign up for this class. <laughs> the but, cool um, people. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Self-looking horror fans. Like, you know, who, like, who are we, you know, why, what, again, what draws us to the genre? What are we looking for in the genre? But um, you know, but definitely like horror movies and especially in the 21st century, you know, horror movies like I would I think of it as a way to to stare into the dark, you know, a way to look into the unknown, a way to look into the mysterious. Like that's what draws me to it. You know, I mean, it's not it's not the jump scares. I don't mind the job kind of like the jump scares, but, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not gore for sure. I'm with Sakia. I'm not I'm just not a fan of gore, you know. But, um, you know, but it's like it's spending time with the mystery. And it's like, uh, you know, what is Sadako? How? How? Yes. <laughs> How did she make this movie first in the first place? Oh, yeah, what's the production? You know, and clearly this is like it's maybe going back to these concepts, these very old concepts um, in, you know, both uh, Europe and uh, East Asia and in Japan. This, these old concepts of like spirit photography and, you know. And, you know, spirit recordings, audio recordings, where people believed the technology could capture, you know, kind of the the um, the spirit that that leaves us, you know, when we die, you know, yeah, that you could record ghosts, basically. Um, so maybe that is tapping into some of that, you know. Oh, oh, that's not like I do the phone call. Okay, <laughs> stay with you on the on the video. If you want me to go down there, I'll I'll I'll, I'll walk that walk with you. But I don't get how she can do both the video and the phone call. I know. How did she know the number? <laughs> um, so I wanted to bring something up. How does like religion kind of incorporate into this film? So this movie is, you know, you could tie it to certain, again, what I was just reading about certain traditions in, in um, 
certain strains of Buddhism, certain strains of Confucianism that are very misogynistic, you know, very kind of, you know, anti-woman. And then go back to like the 17th century. So this is not necessarily, you know, um, the current trends at the time in 1998 when this movie came out. But, you know, it's, it's something that has a deep history in local culture and in local um, religious culture in particular. And this is not, again, it's not Buddhism in general. It's not Confucianism in general. It's certain strains, certain kind of traditions within those much broader traditions. So, you know, you can link it with kind of, you know, religious culture in a narrow way if you want. I don't think that that's particularly interesting. You know, I think it's more interesting to see this as a movie where people kind of stare into the darkness, stare into the unknown, you know, and think about things like, you know, the, like this is, you know, a movie where a woman avenges a woman, a girl, um, avenges, you know, a crime against her, avenges her wrongful death, her wrongful murder. Uh, you know, and so this is kind of policing ethical boundaries, deciding what's right, what's wrong, and, you know, what the, the sentence is for people who commit um, acts of violence against each other for people who kind of, you know, take things from other people, you know, for people who commit acts of injustice. That's one of the roles that religion plays in life is to kind of police those boundaries and to kind of to restore the balance when wrong has been done. I, that's why I felt like the movie is so beautiful in that way, where it's not just like, oh, it's just a random. I mean, I love random killer movies, slashers, but it's just uh, with Ringu, it's terrifying, but it's also like that. You know, when she goes into the well and hugs her skeleton, it's just like really touching and like sad. Oh, she, and she believes that she's restoring, you know, like the, what, what what was taken from uh, from mm-hmm. Sadako, you know. But then it turns out that it's not the case at all. If anything, she's unleashing something. Yes, which makes it worse. Which, yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, which makes it really de- like, complex and troubling. The twist up there. <laughs> the twist, which is, okay, is that just there to open the door to uh, the sequel? Or, you know, is there something, is there supposed to be some kind of like big, bigger moral truth there? I don't know. Speaking of that, What's your favorite scene in the movie? I am really partial to the film within the film. I love that little, you know, the clip I think is super, super suggestive. Um, you know, there's some who say that the American remake, the Gore Verbinski American remake, that they that he did a better job with that film within a film. But I actually like the original one. Um, I think it's I think it's really kind of haunting. And I'm also a huge fan of gray seascapes. I love kind of the sea, you know, gray, a gray day at sea, that kind of, yeah. And so I love, I actually love when they go to that island and, you know, um, I love the scenes on the beach, I think, which I think are beautifully shot, beautifully filmed. Um, and, and even the, the scenes on the the ship, the boat when they're crossing. What about you? Do you guys have a favorite scene? When it crawls out of the, I was going like this though, but. <laughs> it's such an iconic out. scene. Yeah. And, and the, yes. the close up to the eye. Uh, the close up to the eye. Yeah. yeah it's so freaky. I couldn't. <laughs> okay. Here's something. So, you know, like to deflect when there are things that really scare you, deflect to think of how do they film this? You know, think about craft services. That's the classic way, you know, <laughs> they can, <laughs> when yeah. they're filming it, you know, um, the, um, in the make the actors in their makeup, like how did they eat? But what I heard on another podcast, I heard that the um, woman who played Sadako was, a, this is, I heard it on the podcast. I haven't verified it. I don't know if it's true, but it sounds plausible to me that she was a Kabuki actress, a Kabuki performer, and that they actually filmed her moving backwards. They filmed I her think, walking back. I think you're correct. Yes, that's why it creates what? a little otherworldly 
like effect, um, which they've used in um, it's 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 really effective. Yeah, because I think they also do that in Salem's lot as well. What is the kabuki? What what is that? The kabuki kabuki. It's Japanese theatrical performance, and that's literally everything I know about it. Oh, okay. I've never okay. That's interesting. I think it's like wow. dance, more like it's it's almost more dance than mm-hmm. Um, yeah. than acting. That makes really. so much I, sense. Okay. Yeah, but since you mentioned the the Gore Verbinski remake, how how do you feel those two compare? We love the Gore Verbinski remake. I mean, I was on the fence about which one I'm going to assign in my class, and I think that I went back to the original um, in part because I actually also really, really, really love the last shot in the original. You know, I love the way that it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that kind of weird. I love that she's, that Reiko is completely cool with paying this forward to her. Yes. <laughs> like she says, right. that works for me. Okay, dad, time for you to step up to the plate. <laughs> so I know. Reiko. <laughs> and I love that the last shot, you know, where it's a, all of a sudden it's like the zombie apocalypse shot where it goes black and white and it's got the date, you know, and it's just like, Paying it forward. It's a great ending because you're like, oh no, like it's just going to keep going on. Like people are so unsuspecting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the Gore Verbinski does. I think it, I love the way that it translates that kind of gray, um, can, the gray seaside, almost, you know, kind of coastal vibe to Seattle. You know, they, how it translates to, Tokyo to Seattle and that, that island into, you know, whatever, the island in the Pacific Northwest. It's, I think it's, you know, it's, it goes for too much resolution at the end. As I remember, I think, I think I like the sloppy. I like the, I like the open-ended kind of um, nature of the, of the original. Guys, I feel like I need to watch more horror movies. <laughs> you got it. That's, that's your mission. That's your assignment. Yeah. I mean, it, it's summertime, so I don't really have much to do. But as far as like the, the, the J horror boom, like, uh, do you have any other top favorites? Like um, the Grudge or Juan, Juan. I, I actually love Juan. It's a, it's a it's a hot mess. You know what I mean. It's, it's like, I but I kind of like the multiple timelines. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to make them line up and figure out. Like that's one of my. You know, I love playing with that. Like you know that I like I like that as a challenge in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, some people get really frustrated by it. Actually, which is not a bad transition to Medallion. You know, which is yes. at the end. I don't know. But I love that about Juan. I don't know. Do, do you like that? I love uh, the just Juan and Ringu were like the big ones that really affected me when I saw it for the first time. And I the I remember like I don't remember it vividly, but I had was visiting like family in New Jersey one time, and on the TV was playing the second uh, the the sequel, and that one freaked me out too. <laughs> like so. Yes, like I just love the general like pacing of the J- Japanese horror or Asian horror, really. I was just gonna say I like Pulse. I think that you know, there's this like Pulse. I love uh, Pulse Cairo. Yes, so yeah, good. yeah, yeah. There's this kind of there's this th- this thread or this mood or this vibe in J horror which um, feels very it's emo. It's not really emo. Right? A lot of it's, <laughs> yes. more, it's more emo. That is like that's really <laughs> that's the vibe I think in Pulse, you know. Um and you know, so some of those and also like, you know, um dark water, which a lot of people like, mm. you know, very yes. brooding, you know. Um and there's some there's a lot of doomed mothers. 
um, which is can be hard to, to watch. I mean, depending who, you know, how you kind of identify when you're watching movies can be kind of hard to watch. But she's a classic doomed mother in dark water. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm curious. Have you seen any like um, Filipino horror movies? No, there was one that I wanted to track down and I never. Oh, wait, I think I started watching it on Shudder. No, I haven't. Yeah, that's the short answer. <laughs> no, Why? it's okay. Uh, I was just wondering because um, we were talking about like um, East Asian like films, and I thought it was interesting to like kind of ask because I remember we had like a guest on I think season two. What was his name again? I forgot his name already. But he was like a voice actor. Filipino. Yeah. Filipino oh, Earl. voice actor. Yes, him. And we discussed a lot about like um, Filipino folklore in a way, and I thought maybe you would have some edu- like education about it. But it's like really interesting. I feel like. Like you said, the regions and every horror aspects are always changing constantly. So, I mean, uh huh, yeah, there's okay. So I'm looking this up now because the, I did watch a Filipino horror movie on Shutter. Oh, I think it was Nocebo. And oh, I've seen that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I've never seen that. What, like, what were your thoughts on um, that film? I don't remember. I think it was like, I don't even remember if I finished it. What did you think of it? I really like that director and um, I thought it was like very uh, beautifully like shot and the mood it creates. And it was uh, really cool to see the element of like the Filipino like caretaker in the house um, because it's so common that a lot of uh, we're Filipino for context. Oh, <laughs> Filipino, okay, okay. Yeah, Filipino, <laughs> yeah. technically Filipino American, like neither of us grew up over there. There's a cool like that social element of like the what do you call it the sweatshop like they're they tied in but I wanted something like more from it overall like I don't know if it was like uh could have been um less predictable in that sense of the theme I kind of knew it was going there which is really important but yeah it was just like it was so close to like nailing it overall Right, right. Is that's the one where she goes to the city and she's like working in the house for? Is this? Am I thinking of the right one? Because um, what's her name? The the actress. The um, she's like um, works in fashion. Does that sound it. familiar? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Does she go to England with the woman who to work for the woman who? Oh yeah, she um, she's like there with her family, and then um, the caretaker just arrives out of nowhere and is like, "I'm here to take care of." everything right. from right. the philippines right. yeah 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 uh-huh that's right that's interesting yeah. well you know yeah i mean it's the it's the challenge in horror is to kind of you know to meet people's genre expectations because we find that satisfying but then you also have to surprise us yes exactly you so, know but yeah it's, i'm always excited to see uh filipino representation um in yeah, general though so i was like i didn't even know this was a philippine like like co-production <laughs> but yeah that's like something i'm always trying to seek out is like discover more filipino horror um because of my family background and actually since you mentioned the exorcist there's one on netflix called eerie and the director is mikhail red and that one is like heavily influenced by uh, yeah the exorcist but I would say like he's probably one of the more popular Filipino directors who is like being noticed by American audiences more. Interesting. I'll look for it. Would you like to introduce our next film? Um, sure. 
Oh, I was talking to my <laughs> aunt, but no. Oh, okay. oh no, go for it. I would love to. I would love to hear somebody else's oh, no. music. Go for it. She could be because we kind of flip off sometimes, and like, well, you can do it. You can do oh, it. Oh, sure. Well, so, yeah, you can be like because okay. uh, introducing in quotation marches is me transitioning into it. So. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely am looking forward to hearing you guys' reaction yes. to this. So um, the film yeah. that you chose is uh, Madayan. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. And um, a Muslim horror. And I believe you mentioned that this is the very first horror movie that came out of Saudi Arabia. As, as far as I'm aware, I remember reading that at one point about it. Um, and, you know, and I tried to I tried to track down that information again and haven't been able to uh, um, confirm it. But yeah, that's nice. And what made you uh, choose this film as the second choice? Um, well, once again, I thought it was not too <laughs> yeah. horrible. Something that, you know, kind of was, you know, like fairly, you know, kind of fam- family friendly, so to speak. <laughs> not too gory. Um, I mean, here's the thing. It's like it is talk about playing with horror movie conventions. It's definitely playing with some very familiar found footage um, conventions. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've seen a crap ton of found footage movies, you're going to recognize, you know, much of what you see. Um, but then, you know, there's also going to be twists that you didn't see coming and, you know, kind of the, and the, the cultural context is totally different. I actually, you know, I, I think that this, I love this movie. I love showing it to American audiences or even to Arab audiences in the U.S. because the, the, the Arab audiences are comforted by what they find that's familiar, you know, and uh, kind of the people who've never traveled in the Arab world are like, oh, so that's what a convenience store looks like in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, that was another um fascinating thing for me because obviously I've I've never been to Saudi Arabia so I was also taking in like the environment and how everything is kind of like uh the way they speak of certain areas like so I'm like oh that's so interesting like I found it interesting how it's it's roads on a road trip sorry I keep on talking when it's not my time my time to talk okay you guys can continue go ahead speak your truth oh sorry no I just found it interesting the way that it was kind of like produce like it's like documentary yeah found footage style also this i think this is my first film watching it on youtube something on youtube okay so where else can people find this is it only um on youtube or as far as i know yeah so here's the thing it's an hour long it is uh the the director is Ayman tamano i believe that this is his first movie um the guy who played hakim was the writer and producer it's just guys getting together and making, uh, you know, because this is like, uh, th- this is the cheapest, easiest way to make a horror movie, right? Found footage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're doing it and they're doing it because they can and they're doing it to show that they can and to show the, you know, the, the, and to put together a story that people are going to find relatable, but from their own cultural context, you know, and what's the easiest way to get it out there to a broad public? Throw it up on YouTube. I've looked for it elsewhere and I've never been able to find it. Um, and it's also, here's the thing, if you search it, the title on YouTube, it does not come up. How were you able to find the unlisted? I mentioned Hannah Matat, Program Coordinator at Global Islamic Studies Center. She has mad skills. She is going to Google. She, I think that she was the one who who tracked down this. I don't know. I don't remember who like who dug it up or how we found it, but I'm pretty sure that she was the one who tracked down this link. Um, and I think that she found it. He posted it to his social media. It came out in 2016. Yeah. And I think that he had it posted to whatever the, you know, whatever his media was at that moment. It was Instagram or um, or Twitter. I, I don't remember. Um, and uh, yeah, so he was sharing it. And I looked, I also checked on DB just to see if he's done anything since then. And I don't think he has. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I was curious about that because um, I was like, oh, he just didn't want to continue making films after that. This is an ambitious movie, though. Mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. I mean, I'm really curious to hear you guys' impression because I mean, I think, I think it works as a found footage movie. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, yeah. Zakia, I'm curious for you to go first. No, you can go first. I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, so I can gather my thoughts. Okay. No, because um, I love found footage as a genre and I just love how real they feel. The film does a great job of like staying within those conventions of it. Like I liked the character relationships, um, like especially on the road trip. And it did feel like the whole idea of like, oh, I need to make this film. You know, it's going to be my career. And then like just pursuing like, the yeah you don't mess with these haunted places or uh sinister areas of but people do like do it anyway and um i like you know, when it starts to get horror at the end it came like really abruptly i can start to see like the blair witch kind of influence in there but it was really cool because this is an entirely different context of like this culture and um, the gin or they like I was wondering, they call it gin or ginny. Is that gin is like the singular, like when you're talking about an individual gin and ginny is like the class of gin oh. as an entity. OK, got it. I feel like um, it's very similar to like we covered Sam and Colby in this podcast and it kind of feels like that type of dynamic. Um, they're YouTubers, by the way, that explore the paranormal. So I feel like it has that kind of touch to it, which I really like that type of like what she said that type of genre um i find it really interesting i feel like I've, I've watched a movie that has that type of feel but it's not horror it was more of like a it was more based on like something that happened on the news so i find it really interesting as well and i i feel like i've seen kind of similar films but not like something that's this specific to a t so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I very much enjoyed it. I it's a shame that it's not more well known because I feel like it was super well done. And the fact that this is like a subgenre that is very rare. Yeah, wait, why is it unlisted? That's kind of odd to me. Maybe he just wanted to have control over who knew about it. He maybe didn't want it to be kind of you know widely available. So, you know, you could share it. Now you guys have it. It's kind of like Ringo. It's like the uh, yeah. people within a film and ring. <laughs> oh yeah, we have to pass it on. <laughs> there you go. No curse. There's no curse. <laughs> you know, yeah, like I said, it feels like a, a um an ambitious movie. And I'm surprised that he hasn't gone out to make more because this is, you know, uh, um it's a good way to get your foot in the door. It's a good way to start, you know. And um you know that if you share it, people are gonna watch. People loved it when we screened it as part of Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a popular movie. You get to see the Saudi countryside. You get to see this as like, you know, these are obviously real places, you know, um, in, in Saudi Arabia that, you know, you hear like when you study the history of Islam, you, you read about these places and you get to see them, you know, and they, there's some really nice footage of them going into the old city at Norda, uh, you know, and then Medellin itself, like this, those cities, those tombs, you know. Um, very cool. They were able to film there and go inside, you know, um, it's, you know, and it is, it's a very eerie setting, you know, and they do a really good job of setting up the characters as people who are, um, you know, they're different kind of, uh, they're, you don't, I don't think that you think that any of them are not religious. They're all religious. They're Saudi for heaven's sakes. They're Muslim, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but they're very, they have varying degrees of kind of, um, you know, they wear their Islam in very different ways, you know. 
So Hakim is much more kind of like that. They're very clear at the beginning that, that what we're watching, this is not the movie. Right. This is some BS thing that um, uh, Kodashi wants to do on the side. Right. The movie about making the movie. The real movie is going to be a documentary about this place that is national heritage. We would call it cultural heritage. You know, and that's what they're exploring. And a lot of Saudis, the, what they say is a lot of Saudis don't even know that much about this part of the country. You know, and then they have the talking head. They have Nadia Sheikh, the talking head, who's there to kind of tell you the backstory and then to fill in the kind of the super creepy gin story. Right. Oh, yes. I love that. Uh, the creepy gin story. Yeah. Of like the hitchhiker. And then it was like, oh, the hopes. Yeah. 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 And then Nadia Sheikh herself was there with her father, it turns out. Right. And she's the one who's her father was. Oh, man. Stolen by the gym. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's unclear what happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. The whole family thing. And uh, it's like all the warnings are here, but let's just still check it out anyway. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of scary. Um, what other horrors from Muslim culture are there? The, I mean, I thought about, you know, different options that I, um, I consider sharing with you guys. Um, one that I mentioned to Zanthi and um, is a lot of people, a crowd favorite girl walks home alone at night mm, so good i love yeah, that yeah yeah this is it's 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 muscle i mean it's it's actually filmed in in the u.s filmed in california um it's in in a uh, persian and the the filmmaker uh anna lily amirpour is just you know persian american lived in the uk lived in england before she lived in the u.s i believe so but she's i think that she's like you know an expat basically um but she filmed it in persian um, and the characters, so the characters are all speaking Persian and um, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, it's another avenging female movie. It's about a woman avenging uh, uh, crimes and violence against women. And um, it's it's kind of like a, it's a spaghetti Western vampire uh, uh, revenge drama. I love that movie uh, like so much. Um, I, I just love Anna Lily. I report in general, like her films are great. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that one's that one's really, really cool. Another one that I would recommend is um it's called Under the Shadow. Oh yes, Under yeah, the yeah. Shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is it's harrowing, um, super creepy. It's another gin movie in its own way, in a very, very different kind of it's pitched very different. Um, it's set during the Iran-Iraq War. Oh. It's set during the 1970s, yeah. Um, and it's a, a woman and her daughter are kind of trapped in their apartment, trapped, choose to stay in there. She chooses to stay in their apartment while they're under bombardment uh, in Tehran while the Iraqis are bombarding. Yeah, that's another good one. Super scary, I think. Um, you know, very creeping dread. Do you think like horror movies outside of the States are more scarier than films here? It depends. I mean, like J-horror and K-horror, you know, the Japanese and Korean horror movies that we're talking about are, you know, those are not like, um, you know, they're more eerie, suspenseful, there's dread, there's a sense of dread, but they're not like, you know, there's, there is not very much body horror in J-horror, you know, and there's, you know, even jump scares, not that, that much of that. So, you know, it really depends on where you're talking about and what kind of movies you're interested in. I mean, there's some movies that, you know, are, um, you know, in a lot of them, the kind of the, the the sexual violence is really kind of disturbing. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure. And then in some of them, I are have fierce women avenging sexual violence. 
Um, you know, and that's something that is really complicated, you know, and I'm, I mean, even Sadako kind of felt like she's a little bit kind of in that line of, of heroines, um, in the sense that she's a, a female avenging ghost who's avenging violence done to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, some of these movies get much more kind of explicit about the sexual violence and um, they're, they're much more kind of tormented about kind of the, you know, the, um, the position of the, the female, uh, the, the woman at the heart of the movie. And if you're a woman watching it, it can be really difficult and really uncomfortable. Some of us are there for it. Some of us not. Most definitely. Um, so before we move on to our last topic, would you like um, to say anything else about like the films that we covered today? I want to just point out in case you didn't notice it, that the end of Medallion makes no sense at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you noticed this a few times now. It makes no sense. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know who's possessed. I mean, did you guys, did you know? And I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I don't know if it's just like pure jazz. It's pure kind of found footage genre jazz, you know, or if there's a logic there that I'm missing. I'm with you, sister. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, yeah, it does shift towards the end. And then you think, oh, maybe there's like multiple possessions happening like here. That's how I kind of interpreted it. And then the movie ends. <laughs> Objectively, yeah. yes, there are multiple. But yeah, there's multiple possessions happening and people seem to be possessed and then not anymore. You know, and then there's the whole bathroom scene. Which, you know, right. Yeah. Gin are often associated with bathrooms. Like that's like a thing. Like that's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where. I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, well, why are we recording uh, him going pee in the bathroom? But then if they have a connection to bathrooms, then, okay, that's what triggered its appearance. That makes more sense now. He says that he's taking the camera for the light. That's the excuse that he makes, which is also, that's also. Okay. If, I don't know if you've seen Wreck, but that's. A, oh, yes. Like, I love Wreck. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they're using the camera as a light source, you know? I mean, that's like a found footage thing. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, th- there's also that, like, you know, Din lore, like Jin, uh, from what I understand, Muslim parents tell their children to fear Jin, especially in the bathroom. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but then, you know, he's, uh, originally it's um, it's Hakimim who takes the camera to the bathroom and then the creepiness starts. But then at the end, you see that same scene again, but this time Hakim is on the outside filming. And it seems to be Kuroshi who's in the bathroom. So what, people? <laughs> I wonder... If that was like a way to create more disorientation or like you said, it's it just doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Disorientation and also multiple timelines and, you know, kind of competing realities and competing timelines, which is, I I, again, something that I love in a movie, but, you know, not sure how to read it. All righty. So what are some horror movies that you would recommend to kids? Um, Okay, so I did prepare for this because. (laughs) <laughs> I'm terrible at making recommendations and I knew that you would ask. And so I kind of made just a short list, but I made a short list. Um, first of all, I want to recommend something that is reading and not um, movies. Oh, yes. Oh, different. Do you know Kelly Link, the writer? Mm-mm. She's a short story writer. She's an amazing writer. 
Um, she has, uh, um, you know, she's, a lot, she's, you know, young, she's still writing today. Um, she, uh, has a few collections actually, including one collection that is YA. It's a young adult collection. So it's, um, it's absolutely appropriate for, uh, um, for your audience. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, speculative fiction. It's kind of weird fiction, um, including some horror inflected stuff. Her, um, her YA collection is called Pretty Monsters, and the title story is, uh, oh, it's just a gorgeous story. I love this story so much. Um, and I highly, highly recommend her. She has some really fantastic ghost stories in other collections too. But Pretty Monsters is a great place to begin and, um, you know, see if you if you like it. So that's one of my recommendations. Um, yeah, I already shared Under the Shadow and Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I mean, I guess that some of my other ideas are like, um, do you know Lake Mungo? Oh, yes. Found footage. That's another found footage. Yeah, it's there is some the body horror. There's a couple of, of images of a drowned young woman that are kind of uh, um, gruesome. But most of it is just like, I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know what you thought of it, Xanthi. I love it. I think it's a really nice kind of like, a creeping dread with an unresolved and mysterious kind of, um, you know, a mystery at the heart of it. Um, that is, I think, really effective. It's Australia in 2008. Yeah, that's another like uh, it's been I have to rewatch it because it's been a while. But um, that, I feel like that's another good one to like enter as far as like found footage goes. Strong choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gorgeous movie. Yeah. And then there's a couple of movies that I thought I would mention just because I I um, really like them. One is not actually horror or science fiction. Arrival. Oh, yes. I feel like I've heard um, of that. Oh my God, I love that movie. It's um, uh, uh, directed by Denise uh, Villeneuve, um, 2016. It's um, it's about, you know, again, it's about kind of like, what is time, you know, and how do you experience time? And, uh, you know, are there other ways to experience time than the way that, that we normally experience it, you know, as, as human beings? Um, that's, you know, again, there's a deep mystery at the heart of it. It's really fun to spend time with. I noticed that you have a connection to thing stories about like timelines. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very, I find that really interesting. Fascinating. Have you seen, um, Donnie Darko? No. Oh, okay. If you're interested in that kind of like what is, uh, yeah, happening and I don't want to give too much away, but it's a really good movie. <laughs> okay. I will check it out. <clears throat> yeah and then my last one is um recommendation is is annihilation which oh mm, another good one yeah yes. i think is um also kind of super creepy super mysterious science fiction but also with elements of horror in it and um it's it's, it's definitely it's kind of supernatural there are, are aliens and outer space aliens involved um but it's also kind of about like you know um, it was about identity. It's about who we really are and, you know, kind of how we, how we change. I thought that was like really beautifully done. That Gorgeous. Movie. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. That's interesting. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for the recommendations. We'll definitely like put it in our like notes or podcast notes, right? Correct. And uh, Instagram yeah, as and well. Yeah. On Instagram as well. Yeah. Very we'll cool. put it everywhere basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I took yeah. down as many recommendations as I gave. So there you go. Hey, lovely. <laughs> we swapped. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Okay. Um, so this one is specifically, I feel like can also be for my aunt and our like listeners. Um, but what advice would you give um to kids or my aunt um who want to become professor, like a professor just like you? 
because my aunt wants to become a professor. That's why she's get, getting her PhD. So oh. and a director. Well, she's already kind of a director, but yeah. I'm a, a more of a film director, but I also I've always wanted to teach and like give back and to kind of tie in my love of filmmaking and passing it on to people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a journey. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's my advice. It's not really advice, just a reminder, a PSA, a public service announcement. <laughs> it's a it's such a weird winding, long and winding path. You know, I mean, maybe some people take the fast, fast track. I definitely took the scenic route. Took me, you know, yeah, I just kind of like straight from high school to college. I didn't go straight from college to grad school. Then I became a grad school dropout. I mean, it was, it was just like lots and lots of meandering and back and forth. And I worked in lots of different industries too, you know, lived in lots of different places. It's, it was definitely a journey. Not everybody takes that path. Not everybody takes that track, you know, definitely, um, Cynthia, you're interested in something that is a, there's a practice as well as the kind of the teaching, you know, piece. So you're going to be between kind of practitioner and thinking about, you know, professing, whatever that means, whatever that means to you. I feel like the industry is changing a lot right now to accommodate people who have these other kind of paths, you know, that these who have complicated lives um, and who want to integrate kind of parts of their lives um, into the teaching that are not, you know, traditionally weren't part of the teaching, you know, and you bring a lot more into the classroom when you have that kind of that breadth of experience. People are, are appreciate that a lot more now than they did in the past, you know, but definitely just doing what you're doing right now and enjoying the journey and kind of meeting people, talking to people, you know, asking, you know, asking questions of others and of yourself, you know, I think that's the best way to go about it. Thank you for that. <laughs> and um, I feel like that's also as far as um, not just a good advice for someone of my age, but also for kids to just because you're emphasizing, just take the journey, figure it out and talk to people and see what happens. Yeah. Appreciate the journey. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's always, you know, uh, I don't know. There's always there's things to learn at every stage. There's things to appreciate at every stage. You yeah. Know? I'm curious. Have you lived in New York before? Yes. OK, can you can you talk about it a little bit? Because I kind of want to move to New York. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, um, it's a different city now than it was when I lived there. You know, that was like when I went to college, that was kind of like my I would go to New York in the summer and I used to work on Wall Street to make money to support my education. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was it was but it was easier to do that. You could kind of just like, you know, kind of perch, you know, you could just kind of I would I somehow I, I had a regular um, summer sublet that I used to go back to. And I don't even remember how I lined that up. It was, you know, it fell into place. It just fell into place. You know, in LA and whatever the LA metropolitan area, you know, this is, you know, well, it's like you maybe not firsthand, but you know, it's, it's a tough place to, you know, kind of to make it just economically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and New York is like that, you know, it's also, it's a very, um, you know, it's whatever, it's the city that never sleeps. It's a very, this, 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 you know, you, you've got to be kind of down with that, like that you've got to be ready to kind of surf whatever's happening outside your door as soon as you walk out of your house. You know what I mean? You've got to be yeah, like, you I get know, that. like fast paced type thing. It, it's fast paced. And, and yeah, yeah. And, um, and it rewards people who are good with that and who kind of do well on that energy. You know, if you're kind of, if you have a big backyard, <laughs> if you have like an oasis, yeah. Yeah, something that, you know, you'd have to give up. Yeah. So lastly, do you have anything to plug and where can people find you on social media? Oh, I'm kind of on social media. I mean, you know, I'm kind of on Twitter, but not so much, not so much since it imploded. 
So I'm on, you know, at Carla Dumoulin on Twitter, you know, and I'm on Instagram, but only for the memes, only to share the memes with my sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm less on the socials these days. And, you know, I mean, you can Google me for, you know, things that I'm doing in terms of uh, um, in terms of what I'm publishing or what I'm, you know, kind of when we do Halloween, for instance, you know, I autocomplete. The first autocomplete is a, is a Canadian serial killer called Carla Hamulka. Once you get past Carla Hamulka, then I will pop up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's really dark. Here, no, we <laughs> like it. Yeah. We like dark humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been such a delight to chat with you guys. Thank you so much, Carla. We like really appreciate yeah. it. You're wonderful. Like honestly. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so, so much. Are you. Yeah. And you know, I just um you are on a journey, Sakia. I really hope you uh, you know thank you so much. You. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much, Carla. Like uh this topic is so um like awesome to like dive into and like thank you for sharing all your knowledge. Yeah, I feel like the films you yeah, the films you chose today were very more diverse than the other guests that we have brought in. So I appreciate like you exploring outside of the US. Good. I'm glad you guys. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Okay, thank you so much. I wish you all the best. Thank, thank you. you. Um, thank you so much. Subscribe to this and add us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. All you have to do is search up Kinder Guys Podcast. And remember, you are loved, you're a baddie, and remember to always live on the fright side. Bye.